You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, same jazzy music, a slightly different format. Now, if you're listening to me on the traditional podcast platform, um, that's still available to you. And you can find me wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. You can still find Locked on Horn Frogs there five days a week. Uh, but we are also pivoting to YouTube as well. So if you would like to uh, watch me, see my face, which not a lot of people would enjoy that. But if you want to take a stab at it or take a try at it, um, you can find me there at Locked on Horn Frogs on YouTube. You can comment. You can say things like, hey, is this the is that is this that guy Beans from Even Stevens, like grown up? What's going on here? Um, and I'll try to interact with you on the YouTube channel. And a great thing that you could do is subscribe to the YouTube channel because if I get enough subscribers, eventually I'll be able to monetize this thing and then I can feed my three children. I have another child on the way in September. So um, any subscribers would be helpful to me. But anyway, YouTube channel, Locked on Horn Frogs. Would love for you guys to uh, watch it if you want to, but you can also just get it via their traditional podcast platform. We're going to start today and kick off our YouTube channel um, with some great typical sports radio content, podcast content. We're going to talk quarterbacks, baby. We're going to talk the quarterback position, and we'll talk specifically about CCU and what it means for them going into the season. So it appears as we continue to progress through spring practice here um, that TCU is pretty even between Chandler Morris and Max Duggan. Publicly, the coaches have said that, and that's no surprise, right? They're probably not going to tip their hand either way. But even the people that are at practice on a regular basis and are observing this seem to say, hey, you know, Max had a good day one day, Chandler had a good day the next. No one has really um, put themselves ahead yet. They're apparently getting equal reps in practice. Now, it's still really early, right? And I said this earlier this week, you have a brand new staff. So I think there's a ton of things they're evaluating. Sonny Dykes made the point in the comment recently. He said, you know, with the quarterback position, a lot of times if there's a competition, the team knows before the coaching staff knows, meaning there's one dude that the team just sort of rallies behind, whether that's because of the way they're playing on the field or just that intangible leadership quality. Um, they, the team just kind of gets behind. This is our guy. And then that sort of lets the coaching staff know or confirms, hopefully, what the coaching staff believes to be true, that this person is edging ahead. I would love – now, they don't have to say anything publicly. I seriously doubt they will. But I would love if somebody would separate themselves before spring ball is over. And I think if it's still pretty even going into fall camp, that might be a problem. And here's why I say that. You have two players, Max Duggan and Chandler Morris. They're pretty different in their skill sets. Now – uh, Coach Dice mentioned as well that all these guys can run, and Sam Jackson is in this mix as well. The, and they're all good, you know, when the play breaks down with their feet. Max is a big, tough, physical runner. He gets downhill. He can make plays. And I think if you look back on Max's career so far, most of his big-time plays and big-time moments involve him making something happen with his legs, right? Um, you know, the two touchdown runs against Texas comes to mind that basically won the game and sealed the game, one in Austin in 2020, and then the year before that, the upset in Fort Worth in 2019. Uh, he had that great run against Oklahoma State. 
that sort of led to a comeback in 2020, and the team rallied, and they ended up finishing 6-4 and four on the season. Um, he had a fantastic run against K-State. You know, his freshman year, they unfortunately didn't win that game, but it was one of his bigger moments during the season where I was like, wow, you see something with this guy. And I, I think what Max has going for him, along with the experience, and I do feel like that matters, even though this coaching staff is brand new, is that he's just a fiery dude, a tough warrior type player like he's going to get out there he's going to fight for his guys he's going to be on the field he's going to give you 100 percent uh i think the players rally around the emotion that he shows the toughness that he shows and whether you believe that the issues that max has had in the passing game is more about his ability to throw the football or it's the coaching staff not asking him to do things that he's comfortable with the bottom line is it's been a it's been a problem. The consistency in throwing the football has been a big issue, and that has to get fixed. And to be honest, since Kenny Hill's final season, when CCU went to the Big Twelve Championship game, and I think a lot of the fan base would say maybe even before that, but I feel like Kenny kind of got a bad rap because he had some limitations. Uh, the quarterback play just hasn't been good. So that has to improve if this team's going to make the next step, especially with a defense that is in a brand new system um, and is kind of learning the ropes and has had a, a talent disparity the last few years. Now Chandler Morris, we saw what he could do in the Baylor game. He's got really good arm talent. You know, he's a little smaller in stature, um, but he stepped up and made big plays. I think he's also really adept and really good with his feet. You see the ability to make some throws down the field. You see some explosiveness uh, or potential for explosiveness within the offense with Chandler Morris at the helm. I will say this, though. I think people got a little carried away with that one start and that upset against Baylor. And it was fantastic. I mean, it was the best moment of the season by far. It was four quarters of football. You know, he followed that up by getting banged up against Oklahoma State in a game where they just got worked over. And that's all we've seen from him. So while there's an opportunity for him, especially with a new coaching staff, there's not a lot of consistent production there as well. Another fascinating thing about this is the league as a whole is pretty weak at the quarterback position. Now, there's still the tired joke that a lot of people will make if there's a high-scoring NFL game where they say, oh, a Big 12 football game is broken out, which is not true. Like, if you watch the Big 12 – the identity of a lot of these teams have changed significantly. And what was once a league with great quarterback play, eh, that's not really the case anymore. You know, Baylor has an open competition between Gary Bohannon and Blake Shapin. Um, Texas, we all assume it's Quinn Ewers, and I know he's, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, number one recruit. We'll see what he does when he gets on the field. Dylan Gabriel did a nice job at UCF. Now he comes over to Oklahoma. He's got to learn a new system. Um, and we'll see how he fits in at OU. Iowa State's replacing Brock Purdy. You know, West Virginia has some question marks there. You can go down the list. Texas Tech has a new coach. They have an open competition. Spencer Sanders um, is very experienced, but he's shown a lot of inconsistency, and he turns the ball over frequently. So I think there's an opportunity if TCU can get a quarterback in place by the end of the spring, can spend the rest of the offseason saying, okay, how can we build around – 
Chandler Morris? Or how can we build around Max Duggan? How can we allow them to do things that will make them shine? Because that has not been uh, something that TCU has done well lately, right? Like they have asked Max Duggan, who's not a super consistent passer, to make a lot of low percentage throws, and it hasn't worked. Who can protect the football? Who can give us the best chance to win games? Get that figured out now. Plan around that player. Come up with an offensive philosophy that makes sense for the QB and the offense. And see where you stand when the fall season starts. When we come back, we'll discuss some more football. Win totals for TCU coming into the season. We'll get into that next. Before we do that, though, I do want to mention one of our sponsors, um, Athletic Greens. They're a fairly new sponsor in the network, but glad they're here with us. So one thing I've noticed as I've gotten older is that, unfortunately, I can't eat what I used to, right? Like, I used to just eat chicken wings from Buffalo Bros all the time. Um, and I can still do that, but I'm probably going to suffer some consequences. And gut health is really important. What we're putting in our bodies is really important. And, you know, there's all kinds of pills and vitamins that we can take, but it's sort of a nuisance. So one thing that's great about Athletic Greens is that it's a supplement that tastes great. It's one delicious scoop of AG1, and within it there's 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source uh, probiotics, and it helps you get right. It's a special, grain of, a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, and your immune system, your energy, it uh, helps you focus. Now, there's a lot of pros to Athletic Greens. Um, they're giving a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com. Make sure, you, make sure you put the backslash college on that. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash college to take advantage of this ownership opportunity. Athletic Greens, give them a look today. Segment two here on Locked on Horn Frogs on the traditional podcast platform as well as YouTube. Um, and we're going to talk some Big 12 win totals. Way too early uh, win totals for 2022. This is from Bud Elliott of 247 Sports. And he has TCU at six wins. So let's talk over under TCU at six wins. That's right at bowl eligibility. I know that's sort of a low bar, but that's a place that TCU has not been lately. Now, they were bowl eligible in 2020 before that COVID cancellation stopped them from playing Arkansas. The year before that, they finished 5-7. and seven. And, of course, in 2021, uh, Gary Patterson gets dismissed midseason. They finished 5-7 and seven, uh, as well last year. So how can TCU build on this moving forward? And I think a really important part of getting to six wins if that's our benchmark, I think there's a good chance CCU can be over six wins. I would take the over. A good place to start would be to win all three of your non-conference games. And I know that sounds simple, but TCU hasn't been able to do it lately. They've fallen twice to SMU, not in consecutive years because there was that one year they didn't play. But going into conference play two and one, even though it's only one game, it makes it tougher to get through the conference schedule and be bowl eligible or to get to seven wins in the case of this over-under. So you look at the schedule. They start with Colorado, a Pac-12 team that's really struggled as of late. Then you get Tarleton State at home. That's your FCS game. And then you return to Dallas to play SMU. Um, so Colorado on the road, I mean, Colorado's not a great team, but that's going to be a test. It's your first game under Sunny Dykes. There's going to be a lot of question marks. We don't really know what this roster is going to look like necessarily. So 
I'm not going to just chalk that up to an easy win. If you get that victory, though, that would be significant because it would put you in a situation where if you can beat Tarleton, which you should easily, and then go on the road to SMU, and that SMU game's going to be tricky. And I think SMU has been a good benchmark for TCU the past few seasons because it's shown some weaknesses. I think it's shown some cracks in this team's morale and their mental toughness because once they lost those games and really lost those games kind of handedly, even though, you know, in 2019 they stormed back and almost won that game. Uh, last season they were within one score a few times and had a chance to get a stop at the end of the game and get the ball back. But they were physically manhandled by SMU, which I, I think that surprised everyone and kind of took everyone aback, right? So if you can win that game on the road in Dallas, which is going to be a hostile atmosphere there, we can make jokes about you know the 20 SMU fans that will be in attendance. The bottom line is they're not happy that Sunny Dice left. So if you can win that and get to 3-0, and then you know, you'll know you sort of see where you stand. Oklahoma will be the first conference game that's in Fort Worth. Brett Venable's first year at the helm. It's early in October. Um, so I don't expect a victory there, but maybe you catch them at the right time. Kansas on the road, that's sort of a fascinating game. Lance Leipold, I think, has that program going in the right direction. There's somewhat of an expectation for KU now to at least not be necessarily just an embarrassing laughing stock. Um, so can you take care of business there? Oklahoma State at home, that's going to be tough. Kansas State at home. K-State and Chris Kleinman has really given this team fits the last few seasons. West Virginia, same situation. That's on the road in Morgantown, which is a very tough place to play. And Neil Brown and his team have physically taken it to TCU as of late. Then you get Texas Tech at home in November. Texas on the road. Baylor on the road. And Iowa State at home to close out the season. So I think seven wins is entirely possible. I would take the over. And I wonder what TCU fans think. And if you want to jump in here in the comments on YouTube, you can. Or you can hit me up on Twitter. At Simcox Steven. The show is at Locked on TCU. Would seven wins be something that you would say, man, I feel good about that. I feel good about the direction of the program. Even though it's not, you know, blowing the doors off, I feel like it would be a significant step forward. And if you could get to that place, where could you go from there? So I like I like the six win over under. I think, honestly, a push is probably the best bet there, but I would take the over. I think this team can get to seven wins. I think they possibly get to eight if this offensive line holds up. I'm concerned about the defense, but hopefully that's something that gets better as the year goes on. So, TCU football, that's your way too early over under for win total. And then finally today, TCU baseball, they're on the road in Austin this weekend. Fascinating series to me. You know, Texas has not really been a team that's lived up to expectations, but they're still extremely talented. Ivan Melendez is just a great, great player. Um, you know, Tristan Stevens is a great pitcher that's going to start on Friday night. Uh, Trey Faltini is probably the best shortstop in the nation. Texas is loaded top to bottom. If they, if TCU can find a way to take two out of three from the Horns in Austin, it would be huge. We'll talk about all that and more on Monday. Thank you for joining me here on the inaugural YouTube episode of Locked on Horn Frogs. And if you're listening on the traditional podcast platform, I appreciate you as well. Uh, we'll be back Monday. Again, Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It's your team and it's every day.